0: If you're ready to take your destiny into your own hands, you've come to the right place. This is Ordeshi, the Bulletproof Entrepreneur, featuring interviews with the most exciting and amazing entrepreneur. Here's your host, Chi Odogu.
1: Hey guys, welcome to the show. I have a great guest on the line with me today. I'm talking to Jim Palmer. Now, Jim is the very definition of a Bulletproof Entrepreneur. Jim was broke, indebted, and battling with cancer, and he clawed his way back from hopelessness and helplessness to build a string of successful businesses. Um, He's known as the newsletter guru. He's founded several companies in the writing space, some of which include, now help me out Jim in case I miss some of these, but they are the Custom Newsletter Inc., uh, the No Hassle Newsletters, No Hassle Social Media, the Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching, Dream Business Academy, Newsletter Gurus, Concierge Print and Mail On Demand, and Success Advantage Publishing. Now, as you can see, that's quite a mouthful, but <laughs> yeah, <right>. that <laughs> ought quite,
0: to do. <laughs> it's
1: quite a mouthful, but that does not put the end on what Jim has done or has been able to do with his career. So he's here to tell us a little bit about himself, his background, and, you know, to teach us some things about business, entrepreneurship, growing your growing your company, marketing, and any other wisdom nugget he wants to share. So, Jim, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah. So, Jim, tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, how you got on this track of just being, you know, the dream business coach as you're popularly known as.
0: You know, I, I honestly believe if you're going to coach people, you need to have a track record and improve track record. So I started coaching seven years ago, which was probably eight or nine years into my, <clears throat> into my business. So, um, I started my first business in October, 2001. Uh, my first year was revenue free, which is a polite way of saying it. it took me a year to get my first client. And, um, But you know, in five years, I'd grown a multiple six-figure business, and then I I did it again multiple times, and then I started my coaching practice. I started authoring books, um, started speaking, started my um, doing live events, and and all of that grew out. But you know, I did have to go through a lot of crap and and learning and and and. um, Stuff, you know, stuff, we'll call it, before you get to the position where you are now. Reminds me of an expression. Um, When you see somebody successful, you're seeing the finished product. You're not seeing everything that goes into into making that.
1: Yeah. That's cool. So tell us a little bit about before you became an entrepreneur, you were working a high-flying corporate job. And then um, what was your life like, you know, working? Life was pretty good.
0: Yeah, my wife, uh, we made a decision she would be a stay-at-home mom, so I was really supporting most of the expenses. She was doing some some small jobs, but... Um but then, uh, in in the summer of two thousand, I was VP of marketing for this uh, local company, and and one day the owner said, "We're eliminating your position with our company." So, I, I you know it's funny how people like to say things a certain way. I think that was that was his way of saying you're fired without saying you're fired because yeah. I didn't do anything wrong. They just wanted to save money, I guess. But um, I honestly thought I would be back to work because at that time. Gee, I had uh, four teenagers at home, you know, a lot of bills. And yeah. uh, so I started looking for my next job. But, you know, I was unemployed for 15 months. and Wow. Um, yeah. And 12 months into into that, I was the first time I had cancer. So, I mean, I was really in a bad place, probably the lowest point in my life. And, and sometimes when you get to a really low place, the only place you can look is up. And that's mm. when I decided to start my own business.
1: Wow. So you... Fifteen months unemployed, dealing with cancer. I mean, what what kind of a toll did that take on your psychology and your mindset? Because you come out of
0: it took a v- big one.
1: VP of marketing, you know. How, you know how, how did you feel? Yeah.
0: Well, uh, you know, I didn't feel great, <laughs> and you know, I think um, it's true for men and women, but I think more so with men, that mm-hmm. we associate who we are with titles and, and whatever we do for a living. Yes. <clears throat> and I was proud of the career I've had. I had have done pretty well for myself. <clears throat> but then all of a sudden, I'm out of work. And, you know, you see the neighbors go down the street going to work, and I'm not going to work. And, mm-hmm. you know, so no matter how much confidence or self-esteem you had, when you get to that point where, you know, you're just not finding work and believe me i was trying i was trying to do everything i could um, but nothing was really working for me and so that really that really takes a, a toll on your uh, your self-esteem for sure
1: yeah it was just chipping away at you gradually so you get diagnosed with cancer and i'm sure it must have been a very difficult time for you and your family and in the course of going through the treatments you know dealing with unemployment how, where did the spark come from to think about launching a business?
0: Well, it was God inspired for sure. I mean, I was at a pretty low place in my life, and then um, right around, I did have a um, uh, an, almost a uh, sure thing as far as a job. But then, when September 11th happened in this country, um, you know, the, the economy really kind of sputtered, and, and any business I was thinking of expanding uh put those plans on hold and that's what happened to me then Mm. and that's when i that was really the lowest point in my life and i actually prayed for guidance and wisdom i I didn't know what to do and and i was believe i was told to start a business and become an entrepreneur
1: okay so what was that first business
0: First business was called Dynamic Communication. I was um, writing and designing newsletters for local companies, and um, you know I wrote my first newsletter when I was 21. I ended up doing a newsletter at every company that I and and job that I had after that. And when I decided to start my business, I thought, well, I'm pretty good at doing newsletters, and and most companies can use a newsletter. So I thought there's a good, a big available pool of prospective customers. So so that's what I did. I, I, I started my first new, my business selling newsletters.
1: Yeah. And then for one year, no clients. And then, but in your book, you mentioned that, you know, in that one year, you were still doing everything you needed to do to get the business growing. You were still going to networking events sometime twice mm-hmm. a day. You were meeting people, telling people about your. but you are sowing the seeds like a farmer, Preparing for the harvest yes. down the road without actually knowing what you were doing, because at many points during that stage you could have just as easily given up and kept the the hustle to find a new job, or you know just um, settle for stocking shelves at Target, which you had to do to pay the bills.
0: Yeah, so you know, with four teenagers at home. Um, one of our bills was food, you know, <laughs> and I do, I do believe, you know, just because I was the founder and president of my own corporation, it said so on my fancy business card, you know, if, if you don't have any revenue, you really don't have a business. So I needed to bring in some money to, you know, help our, with our finances at home. So I found, I got a job at Target Uh, which is right down the road. And I worked the shift. I get up at four and I think the shift started at five. Mm -hmm. And so we worked for, you know, for four hours or so before the store opened stocking shelves. And then I think I left around 11 a.m. And that's when I would, you know, go back to starting to build my business. And I remember going to several networking events at night and then getting in bed and starting all over again. And you know, even though I'd made a a good salary when I at the my last position, I was working you know for target wages, but I think I was bringing home like three hundred dollars you know a week or something. And um, but that that goes a long way to uh, buying some cereal and some
1: food. Yeah, yeah. So that that must that must have really been humbling because you don't go from a corporate job to Target and then. um You know, it's it's like dealing with the pressure of trying to keep up with your peers because you still see some of your peers doing well in the old job and whatnot. And then, you know, the psychology of having to stoop so low to build something.
0: Yeah. But you know what's interesting about that? And this is the honest truth is Mm. that after I mean, I was already if I went from um, the job I had to two weeks later working at Target, I would have been a wreck like you know but i'd already been unemployed you know for probably a year and a half at that point okay so my confidence and my ego were not what they were at their healthiest (laughs) point right yeah um and honestly i do also believe um I believe, you know, as men and people, but just speaking for men, men are supposed to work, and that's what yeah. you're supposed to do. You're supposed to support your family. Uh-huh. I also believe God rewards hard work. Hard work yeah. So just because I was a business owner, I can't just sit there waiting for the phone to ring. So that's why I was trying to – I was riding on two tracks. I had to bring in some money and do what I needed to do um, while my business to grow, and there was a point. There was a point um, where I needed, you know, I got a client, another client, another client, but then I was, I was asking to reduce my hours. Then Target eventually said. We can't reduce your hours anymore. You either want to work here or you don't. And I said, Well, that's an easy decision. <laughs> Although it wasn't an easy decision cash flow wise because my business wasn't making enough for me to actually quit. I would have rather still work, you know, maybe 20 hours a week. But mm-hmm. there was a point where when you have to jump. Mm. And I tell you that's a when you are hungry, scared, and or tired, um, that's a good motivator. So that made me work even harder to, to bring in more business.
1: Okay, so that deciding point where you had to jump. Now I wanted to find out something. Like, how, your book is titled "Decide," and you've written about six, seven books right now. Yes. So yeah, how do you know that time to decide? You know. Because it's different for everyone. You figured it out kind of in between A, hustling to put food on the table and B, making sure that your business launches so that you don't... um, one of the things
0: – I've been blessed with um, a uh, – I'll call it a good gut instinct. Some people okay. may call it intuition. Some people call it spirit. Whatever it is, when you when you see an opportunity or maybe a, are posed with a question or something like that, um, I think most people instinctively know pretty quick what the right thing to do is. But then we go into this – paralysis analysis where mm-hmm. we're going to weigh the pros and cons, write everything down, think about it, put it on the back burner. I'm going to run it by a bunch of people. Life takes over. 60 days later, you have still have it made a decision. And th- the one thing I know is that growing businesses thrive on momentum. Mm-hmm. And indecision is the opposite of momentum. Indecision is a momentum killer, right? Yes. Yep. So um, if, you, if you look at and study as many successful people as I have, one of the things that they have have in common is they have an ability to quickly make a decision either yes or no and by the way either one is okay but no but i'll think about it is not okay and listen you know what do we have for lunch today that's pretty easy are we going to invest in a new ten thousand square foot factory well i'm not saying you make that decision on the spur of the moment (laughs) but you don't you don't need a year to make that decision you know there's there's a there's a balance depending on the level of risk
1: yeah, so what role did things like um, books, messages, because I, I read you read Think and Grow Rich, which I believe mm-hmm. has made more millionaires than any other book yeah. apart from the Bible and um, Psycho-Cybernetics. What role did those books play as you were starting to get things um, up They were and
0: instrumental. Instrumental because um, when you one of the greatest ways to go out there and build your business is to, is to be a speaker, go out there and speak and teach. Because when you start a business, you're going one-to-one it means you meet somebody networking, you go call a, you knock on a door literally mm-hmm. or whatever it is. You're generally meeting people one-to-one when you're speaking, you're meeting one-to-many, whether there's 20 people in a room or 500 people in a room, you're, you're able to present yourself to those, to those people. So becoming a speaker is good. The only thing better than becoming a speaker, um, um, is becoming a uh, published author who is a speaker. Okay. That is like the ultimate incredibility. If if you go to hear somebody speak and on almost any topic. But it's obviously something you're interested in because you're going there. But if you go to hear somebody speak and when they're introduced, it says, yeah, they're the author of you know the best-selling book or the hit book. It doesn't matter if it's best-selling. Mm-hmm. But and, and, I mean that to me – there are people that say, I've got a book in me. I've started a book. I'm going to finish my – and then there's people that actually write books and, mm-hmm. and get them done. Uh, those are the people, by and large, who who are m- growing faster. So when I figured out that uh, becoming an author was key, especially to growing a coaching business, I really started um, – that's when I – because at that point, I'd written three books. And, and at, when I started my coaching business, that's when I started writing even more.
1: Okay. So what was your main book and um, what were the factors that caused you to write that book?
0: So when I start well, my first business, as I mentioned, was newsletters. My mm-hmm. second business, which was my first online business, was called No Hassle Newsletters. I mean, it still is today. But um, when I figured out that uh, the whole power of celebrity positioning and branding, okay. that's when I branded myself the newsletter guru. And I said, man, if I'm the newsletter guru, I better write a book on newsletter mm-hmm. marketing. Mm-hmm. That's when I wrote The Magic of Newsletter Marketing. Um and the second book that I wrote was called Stick Like Glue, which is all about client retention. Um, and then the third book I wrote was The Fastest Way to hire profit. So each of those books, if you think, think of uh, a funnel, uh, the magic of newsletter marketing is at the bottom. That's the most narrow point. So it's very niched and focused. And then as you start moving up, like up the V, um, you know, Stick Like Glue gets wider. That's the wider topic of Customer Retention, of which newsletters play a part of. And then the third book is um, The f- Fastest Way to Hire Profits. So that's really more, boy, Jim's not just a newsletter guy. He's a you know, smart, smart businessman.
1: Okay, cool. So customer retention and attrition. Now, the role of newsletters in that because every business needs revenues, and revenues come from being able to sell products and services to your customers – how did those what were you saying in those newsletters that kept customers coming back over and over again and then how did you now translate that as a powerful message for people to read and take action on in a book
0: so the first thing to understand about newsletters is it's not a um, sales per se uh piece so you don't Hey, welcome to our newsletter. By the way, let me tell you about our special of the month. I mean, okay. that,
1: yeah, that's, <laughs> that's not what that, that's the idea everybody has these days of a newsletter. Right. Yeah.
0: Somebody <laughs> says, well, if I'm going to spend, you know, 50 cents or a dollar a piece on customers, I'm going to sell them something. Well, mm-hmm. if you do it the right way, my way, you will sell them. But you have to realize that a newsletter is a customer relationship tool. Okay. And people that want to have higher profits in their business, they have to understand that higher profits come from stronger relationships with your mm-hmm. customers because we know that customers who stay connected with your business longer they end up spending more and they also end up referring more and that's how your business is going to grow so the first thing to understand is the the content that goes in your newsletter needs to be fun informative interesting and entertaining from your customer's perspective
1: okay and stick like glue what was that about what was the big idea in that book
0: That was really all about client retention, and you know, I tell give several different strategies on on a a, you know all about everything from when the sales made to how to stay in touch with your clients proactively and not simply when sales go down. You say, "Ooh, we better get in touch with our customers and tell them we like them. Maybe they'll come buy more." No, it's a proactive, ongoing strategy. Okay, Um, and my my belief is that. If, cu- if businesses would spend even half of what they spend on customer acquisition, if they would take half that budget and spend it on customer retention strategies, they would actually make more money because it, it, it absolutely costs more and takes longer to get a new customer than it does to, to retain and sell more to customers you already have.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, that enhances the lifetime value of what the customer is going to spend, which overall increases your profitability and sales. And also, when I was working as a consultant, we used to do what they call um, intangible assets analysis. Um, One of the biggest intangible assets each company has was um, their customer relationships. Um, Those have a value in your business, whether you like it or not. And that's a big um, thing that I think a lot of businesses neglect. So I'm I'm glad you're able to... Far too... Yeah. Okay, go on. Sorry.
0: Yeah, you know what, when... It, when, a, when a a typical business gets a customer, a new customer, you know, they can, whether it's a single person and they just celebrate in their own head or in a business, maybe the customer leaves if you got a store and you go ring the bell in the back, yay, we just got a new customer. Most people at that point, they they go and try and find another one and then another one and another one as, as if a new customer is the fastest way to hire profits. In fact, if you get that customer, you put them into a, a sequence and and some sort of a relationship building funnel. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to end up selling more to that customer.
1: Yeah. Cool. And your third book, you said it's called "Faster Way to Profit." Now the, I know this is basically about the fastest who, way to. I beg your pardon.
0: Yeah, it's the fastest way to hire profits. Fastest way to hire profits. And profit. each yeah. chapter. Each chapter is a separate lesson in, in how to you know grow a more profitable business. It's not like a book which goes from beginning to end. Each chapter is a separate separate uh, strategy.
1: Yeah. Now, in the book I just read that you wrote, decide the chap the chapter on investing in yourself was also kind of like co branded as faster way to higher profits, which was basically investing in mentors and guides and coaches, people that can help you. Um, grow your business and help you navigate as you're doing you, what you need to do to get on by. I I want to tell the story about how your daughter, Jessica Rhodes, the Jessica Rhodes of um, Interview Connections and the podcasting fame, she wanted to mm-hmm. join your mastermind. Well, first of all, she wanted to start her business and then what right. happened? What happened there?
0: <laughs> so she came um, home. So they, so they live in Rhode Island. We live in Pennsylvania currently. And they came home uh, for Thanksgiving when she was pregnant with her her first child, my grandson Nathan, and said, you know, we'd I'd really like to be a stay-at-home mom, but, you know, we can't live on Jamie's salary alone. I said, well, I'll help you start a business. I'll teach you how to be a VA and blah, blah, So we went down that road, and, and about six months later – um, is when we got the idea to start interview connections based on what she was work. She was already doing for me doing interview connections and stuff. And, um, so that that's when she launched that business. And then, uh, six months after that, she said, "Boy, I'd like to join your mastermind. I mean, obviously I know the power of mastermind said, good, get out your credit card and and I'll accept you, you know? And, um, I figured, you know, and you know, I have a little bit of fun saying she was shocked. She was only a little bit shocked because I had talked to her, I said, Listen, you know, you're gonna have more access to me than anybody. You're the only one that has my cell phone number <laughs> and we can talk all the time. But if you're gonna be part of the group, I mean to be in integrity, uh, you need to be a, a, a paid member of the group. So yeah, I, I insisted she join the group like everybody
1: else. Yeah, but but that's very powerful though, because in as much as she's your daughter and you love her a lot of people unconsciously take for granted the kind of wisdom and the kind of knowledge you get from like a free resource that just because it's free, That's it's, right. it's not necessarily valued. So I think you having to make her pay to participate and to build that integrity in the process of more of um, putting that discipline so that she'd like sit up and take notice
0: it was a good lesson and it, and that wasn't the first time you know actually when i lost my job in 2000 my girls i have twin girls jessica's a twin sister they were 13 and i had a 15 and a 17 year old son so instantly gone were the days when dad opens his wallet on a Friday night for movie money or or go to the mall money. Yeah. They knew instantly that if they wanted to have anything in their life that was fun, something other than food and school supplies, that they were going to have to get a job and earn it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's always lessons to be learned from going through really crappy situations. And that's one of the benefits I think my kids, first of all, they got to see me get through it and start a business, but they also really learned that if I want to have something, whether it's CDs or a guitar or whatever it is, mm-hmm. they were going to have to earn the money themselves. Yeah.
1: That's nice. Okay. So we'll transition back a little bit and we'll go into this main book, Decide. And now this book is purely almost 100% a mindset book, although you don't want it to be called a mindset book. I I took it as a mindset book because there were so many things that are like, it's all about starting with your inner self and, you know, taking a firm decision of a direction you want to go to and proceeding from there.
0: Right. It is definitely a mindset book, but I I only hesitate from marketing perspective because, so many market so many mindset books they have a picture of like the human brain on the cover and 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 people think well i'm just going to sit under a tree extend my arms and go "Ohm," and you know money's going to come raining down <laughs> that's not me man i'm i am all about building real businesses
1: yeah so that's the um the marriage of well the first thing i want to talk about there is um dealing with you know what you called head trash, which is basically things like the imposter syndrome, feeling like you're not good enough, or basically feeling as if, you know, there's this level of um what I call it social awareness that's driven into you that oh you must follow predefined social norms and if you don't you're kinda of like um break bucking the trend as it were.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um head trash is something that everybody has. Uh no matter what level of success you achieve, there's always a little voice in your head either urging you on or or telling you to start being a little more cautious or whatever that looks like. It's different for different people. But you know, people sometimes grow up I, I here's one one example I give is it's called Top of the Stairs Thinking. So in, in a lot of homes, um kids would sit at the top of this after the parents say go to bed they sit at the top of the stairs and they listen to their parents down in the kitchen talk about how tight money is and we got no money and don't be buying this or that or the other thing so they they grow up with this mentality that money is very limited mm-hmm. and there's not a lot to spend or invest so that's a that's something that If you're going to have any success at all in your business, you need to fix that, right? So um, that's one of the things I talk about. Um, Another kind of head trash is is the need to be perfect. Uh, You're not willing to launch anything until you believe something is absolutely perfect.
1: And isn't that Uh, what a lot of entrepreneurs actually feel like that? Oh, unless this thing is 100% point perfect, that um, it's going to suck at people. But nothing ever in life starts out perfect.
0: No, that's true. And the other thing is, uh, so I'll, I'll give you an actionable step. If, if any of your listeners are suffering from perfectionism, um, you you make a decision uh, that you want to choose to be judged on the value of the information and the content. And, and the value that you're providing and not the imperfect way in which you provide it. So mm. what do I mean by that? If you write a book like any of my books, which have all sold very well, and but I, I guarantee, you know, an English major can go through them and, and find errors in them. Not because I'm happy about it, because I just miss them and I'd rather get the book out than spend yeah. a year trying to find a missing comma. Mm. And so – So people – and I'll tell you exactly how I learned this, Chi. When I wrote my first book, it took me 18 months. My last three books I did in 60 days. And the truth of the matter is it took me a year to write my first one because I wanted that thing to be perfect. And then it took me six months to get the courage to actually put it out there. Um, And what happened was even though I took six months to proof that thing – so many different times. Somebody wrote me about a month or two after the book launched and said, hey, I just thought you'd like to know, you know, there's a a spelling or grammar mistake on page 139 or something. And, you know, when I first read the email, I'm like, holy crap. Oh, the whole world's going to think I'm a boob, right? You know? <laughs> and, um, and I, I got a little panicked and I said, so I, I hit reply and I said, Hey, you know, thanks for letting me know. I'll bring this up with my editors. I think I was the editor at that point. <laughs> I'll bring it up with my editors and we'll fix it on the next, uh, printing. And then something the, the, something is the little voice in my head said, add a sentence. And the sentence was this, by the way, how did you like the book? And then I sent it. And he came back and said, Jim, love the book. I know I know now how to do a newsletter, what kind of content goes in, how to mm. mail it and fold it and print it and all, blah, blah, blah. It was a very, very valuable lesson. Thank mm. you for putting it out. I'm paraphrasing, but something like that. Yeah. And I thought to myself, huh. So love the book, got tons and tons of value, but he still felt c- compelled to tell me about the mistake, which is okay. <laughs> but that's, that's proof that people are going to judge me for the value if i'm helping them build their business Mm -hmm. i just come right out and say look look man i'm an imperfect person in every way shape or form but at least i'm doing something
1: yeah that's true that's that's crazy and it's it's a good story as opposed to somebody who said oh you have a comma here Uh, what did you think about i didn't read it because i saw the comma was missing or something yeah (laughs) come on that doesn't really help anyone that, right uh,
0: and by the way there are people that will do that and they're not your customers so don't worry about it yeah
1: and the internet is actually full of people like that you know whether you're doing a podcast you're writing a book making a blog there's always some critic out there who may be going through something in their own life and they just feel like you know they want to pass their negativity along to the rest of the world exactly yeah okay and I think my favorite chapter in this book was um the chapter where you talked about deciding to survive, because yeah, that's really spoke to me as I'm trying to build my own business, and um, I could resonate and feel what you were living through when you were trying to build your business and you were going through tough times. Because right now, a lot of people across the globe are facing really tough challenges. You know, automation is taking away jobs, or jobs are moving overseas. Or there's recession and depression everywhere you look. And then people look around, they come out of school, college, grad school, they can't find jobs. And it it just feels like you know what when you try to do something, the world is just kicking kicking you in the teeth and telling you to stay down. So that, that really resonated a lot with me. Could you speak a little bit more about why you put that chapter in the book and what you were trying to teach people?
0: There there is the there will be no shortage of obstacles, challenges and, you know, trees coming across the road trying to prevent you from moving forward. Almost at every turn, sometimes you're going to find reasons that you might want to quit. Uh, several people who achieve high levels of success have said, "If I knew how hard it would be when I started, I probably wouldn't have started." And so, the first decision you have to make as an entrepreneur is decide to survive, mm. uh, no matter what it takes. I'm going to get through this. And one of the one of the things that um, helped me uh, realize that was the word ridiculous, and so. If you can imagine my first uh, year being revenue-free, imagine month one. Well, okay, month two, maybe it'll get better. Month Mm -hmm. three, man, it's really going to turn around now. Month four, month five, month six. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, gosh. But one of the things I kept telling myself is how ridiculous would it be If I was to quit now, after just investing five months or eight months or nine months of my life building this thing, I just imagine the very next day I'm going to get a phone call or a customer is going to come in. Something's going to happen, Happen. and and how utterly ridiculous it would be if i quit now so but that's a conscious decision because i gotta tell you and i'm I'm, that first year while i I talk about it now and doesn't make me cry or anything but that was one tough year yeah and but i knew for a fact that i was meant to be a business owner i knew that i'd be successful i just didn't know when and i was not about to quit so i made a decision that no matter what i am going to survive
1: that's awesome that's awesome (laughs) And led into the next point, which was um, something I kind of read out of the Bible. Because you were talking about how skill, talent, and work ethic are just not enough for success. And that a lot of people have that, and they try their best, and they put in the work, they put in the many hours, but they still don't get the success that they're looking for. And that there's one X factor that you need to actually build and help you succeed. So what's that X factor? Because my quote that I got from that was basically the race is not to the swift, the battle is not to the strong, and, you know, time and chance happens to all of them. But for you, it was kind of a different take on that.
0: Yep. A lot of people will, especially, like, motivational speakers I've heard so many people say well if you take your your work ethic your drive your ambition your moral compass your attitude and, and your mindset and you mix it all together you know that's gonna that will that combination will determine how much success you're gonna have <clears throat> and I say that's mostly wrong so what I say is, Your work ethic, your drive, your ambition, your moral compass, your attitude, those are the things that make up the machine that is your business. Your mindset is the fuel that drives that machine. So you could have unbelievable talent. You could have skill. You could be the best at what you do. I mean, you could be the dentist that gets the teeth the whitest, the fastest. You could be a landscaper that cuts grass better than anybody else. You could be a lawyer that tries cases more successfully. You could do all of that. But if your mindset is telling you, no, 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 don't do that. Let's not grow here. Let's not do there. Let's not invest here. If your mindset is not finely tuned to achieve ultimate levels of success, then you won't do it. Your mindset is what dictates how much success you're going to have.
1: Okay, and what is what was the role of um, mentorship and coaching, and how did that play into you building a successful business and becoming a great entrepreneur? Because we spoke earlier about your coach, Melanie Benson Strick. Yeah. So, so what's what's it the, played an what, ultimate role? What's, 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 the, what's the value of that? Because a lot of people always think you can try and go on it yourself. But usually, you know,
0: I don't know where. Let me ask you this: I don't know um, how it is where you live, but around here, if somebody said, "Hey, let's meet at um, X Y Z restaurant," and I don't know where it is, I get out my phone and I ha- I ask Siri, you know, D- I need directions. Where do you want to go? And as I say X Y Z restaurant, and it says, "Okay, start on this course," and it tells you where to go. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, could you do it on your own? Sure, you could, but. The, the, the fastest way to get to somewhere where you haven't been yet is to ask somebody who's already been there. Hmm. If you want to grow a very successful business, you could absolutely figure it out yourself, grind it out, make some mistakes, lose some money, whatever it takes, call them lessons. But in the end, if you want to grow a business faster to higher levels of success then you want to be mentored by somebody who's already done what it is you want to do, and so that's an investment that's not an expense it's an investment that you're going to make in your business to be working with a coach who is who has created the type of business you want to create
1: and um, if someone says they can't afford to pay a coach for example because that's the one of the biggest excuses what, what would it is would be, an excuse what would be a rebuttal to that
0: nobody can afford it If you could afford it, if honestly, here's, here's a brutal truth. If you can't, and I've said this from the stage, if you can't afford my coaching, Mm. then what you're doing now is not working. Mm. Think about that.
1: So basically you just need to scrap that and do something different.
0: When I joined my first mentoring group, it was $400 a month, and that was $400 a month I didn't have. But I I had a rock-hard belief that I knew being part of a mastermind group was going to help me. I knew I had strong work ethic and drive. I was smart and things like that. But I I had to understand, I don't know everything. I don't know Mm -hmm. the fastest way to do this, that, and the other thing. But there were people in that group that could help me. So the deal I made with myself was, I'm going to am going to set my ego aside and if I hear a good idea I'm not going to say, eh, that'll never work for me. If somebody already did it and proved it, I'm going to say, that's more than good enough for me. And I'm going to do that in my business. Mm-hmm. And within four months, my business had increased enough revenue to more than, than more than cover the $400 investment. But I had to make a decision. I'm going to invest $400 a month that I don't have, which meant putting on a credit card, honestly. Mm-hmm. And then that's going to help me grow faster. So most people that work with coaches, they're putting they're putting money into it that they don't have, but they know that it will pay off.
1: Now, what were some of the mistakes you made growing your business or as you were building a business in the early days? I didn't make any mistakes. <laughs> no. Come on. Um, yeah.
0: Um, you know, honestly, if I had worked with a coach if I had joined a mastermind group sooner, if I had if I had uh, worked with Melanie as my mindset coach sooner, I would have arrived sooner to where I wanted to be. So a lot of people just, you know, some people are stubborn, myself including, said, well, I'm smart enough to start this business. I ought to be smart enough to grow it. So let me just do it. But you get to a point where, you know, it's just taking a little too long. I have this expression, if slow to no growth is no longer an acceptable option in your business, then come work with me. And so that that's very true, right? If if you just keep doing and doing and doing and doing and doing and it's not it's not working for you the way you want it to work, mm-hmm. then for heaven's sakes, you do have a, you do have options. You can invest in yourself.
1: But there's the conundrum of um like finding an authentic coach because in this coaching industry in this um thought leadership industry anybody can just pretty much hang out their shingle and call themselves a business coach or something and people kind of get jaded and scared thinking that if they pick somebody or they try and work with that person and that person um really doesn't know what they're doing that person might just be taking their money and just eating it and they end up on the short end of the stick
0: yes And what I would say to that is, with the power of the internet, there's no excuse for not doing your homework, Um, and and you can very easily figure out you can easily figure out uh, who is successful and who's not, right? So um, anybody, you know, you can go to my websites and you can see the names of my businesses. You can go to all of their um, websites and you can figure out, um, that they're real. Right. I mean, yeah. The one thing I think makes me laugh sometimes is, um, having somebody who's maybe 19 years old and said, I'm going to, I'm a life coach. Well, how much (laughs) life have you actually lived at 19 years old? Right. (laughs) So, you know, yeah, you definitely want to hire somebody that's got a proven background. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay, great. So let's transition towards the, winding down questions because we really talked a lot about you and your business now concerning entrepreneurship who's an entrepreneur you ad- admire and why do you admire that person so much
0: dan kennedy's the one entrepreneur that i have the highest regard for he's a self-made man has built multiple businesses has done extremely well he totally understands um, what it's like to create a business. And, um, yeah, Dan Kennedy is it for me. Mm-hmm.
1: And w- what are some of the impactful products that you've consumed of Dan Kennedy's that really like stood out in your mind and helped you? Dan Kennedy,
0: here's one thing Dan said, and he said, I mean, he has ultimately said so much, but one of the things that, um, Uh, he said is you, this, you will earn significantly more income for who you are than what you do. And what that means is it's not about what you do. It's not the deliverable. It's about who you are, which means if you create good branding and celebrity positioning for yourself, you're going to have people, uh, beating a path to your door.
1: Okay. Cool. Cool. And, um, As a leader, what do you recommend to everyone else to do over and over? Let's put it this way. What do you do over and over again that you will recommend other people to do that really helped you succeed and grow your business or your businesses?
0: Understand what your time's worth and respect your time. Because if you don't respect your time and the value of your time, nobody else is going to do it.
1: Mm -hmm. So that means being... Like, what, difficult always watching the clock, or?
0: Uh, that means being productive when you need to be productive. I mean, nobody, I have no incoming or outgoing calls unless they're pre-scheduled. Okay. So, I don't just sit here, like, waiting for the phone to ring.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, all of my calls, all my interviews, my coaching clients are pre-scheduled. Okay. Um, and, you know, it, nobody just gets to me to waste my time. I mean, it's mm. it's hard to do that because you got to set yourself up some parameters. Yeah. But I know what my time's worth, and I'm not going to be. I'm not going to spend my time doing, you know, just uh, piddly little things that that aren't going to make me money.
1: Okay. And now, for those people that are kind of struggling in the early stages of their entrepreneurial career, they're kind of like where you were a couple years ago. You know, on this journey for quite some time and no money is coming in um, what's one idea you want to share with people to kind of like help them get some cash flow and something going until they're able to scale their business
0: you, you got to figure out not what it is that you want to do and not what it is that you might have passion about. You want to figure out what is a product or service that's in high demand. You could either find your your way to deliver the same thing or maybe you put your own slight twist on it, but uh, so many people come up with an idea for a business and they don't bother to do any research to see if it's actually something that's needed, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So just do enough research before you pull the trigger.
1: Okay. And I think my last question would be, excuse me, what's the worst job you ever had, and what did you learn from it? I was
0: a courier. This was uh, when I was unemployed. Um, I did a lot of small jobs before I took the target job, because I wanted to stay flexible. But I got up at... um, very early in the morning and use my own, I work for this courier company that, um, this is going to be kind of gross. I'm almost regretting I brought this up. (laughs) But um, there was a, um, a pharmaceutical company near my house that did research on heart disease. It turns out that a pig's heart is very similar in size and function to a human heart. So I would drive about 45 minutes to a plant where they make bacon
1: Mm.
0: (laughs) and I had a cooler and I would pick up three or four, uh, freshly, uh, freshly extracted hearts and deliver them within an hour so they could do their research and and help cure heart disease. Wow. And, um, that was not a fun place to visit. In fact, when they found out I was new, they make sure you go into what's called the kill room. (laughs) And because that, I mean, you're not many people can hold it in when when you see what goes on in there.
1: Wow. That's. That's awesome. But you know
0: what that's, that's just one of those stories now. that's that's uh, 15 or 16 years ago now, mm-hmm. but it's something I did. Again, I picked some job that wasn't going to interfere with my daytime work. Mm-hmm. So I just got up early and did the drive. I, I, was, re- I was back at home by seven o'clock, I think. so you know I think I was able to make some money uh, and and j- the only thing I, I lost was some sleep time because it didn't take away from family time or, or business building time.
1: Nice, nice, nice. So what do you have going on these days, Jim?
0: Well, do- my new book is about to come out. It's called Just Say Yes, Create Your Dream Business and Live Your Dream Lifestyle. Okay. so And um, my wife and I are... Pardon me?
1: No, I said so. Give us a breakdown. What's it about?
0: It's about saying yes to the opportunities that life presents itself. And I'm talking business and personal. Okay. My wife and I made a... Um, a decision almost a year ago that we were going to go on a big adventure because we feel, you know, we've raised four kids. we got three grandkids. We feel like we've lived life very predictably and safely. Mm-hmm. So we sold our house. We put our furniture in storage and we bought a big boat. And literally, as you and I are doing this interview, um, in two days, we move on the boat and we're going to be on it for at least two years. Uh, I'm going to be working on the boat. And we're going to be floating around <laughs> nice. having a big adventure.
1: Nice. So where can people get the book and where can they find you and learn more about you and what you do?
0: So the book's not out yet. It's coming out May 15th. Okay. Um, But if people want to learn a little bit more about our big adventure, we actually started a blog because so many people are curious, how are you going to work on board and things like that? It's called ourfloatinghome.com, (laughs) ourfloatinghome.com. So if you go there, you'll see a picture of our boat and you'll you know there's some, we're going sh- we're going to journey uh we're going to chronicle our journey with videos, pictures and we're just going to take people as much as we can on the on a on the adventure.
1: Nice, nice. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast, Jim. It's really been a pleasure getting to talk to you, learn more about you, your business, your book, I, well, I would say your books and just all the general wisdom bombs you've, you've dropped on the show thus far.
0: My pleasure.
1: All right. Thanks yeah. for having me on, she. Thank you, Jim. And uh, yeah, that's it. Don't let another minute go by without taking action to change your life. Visit
0: Ordashi.com right now for more incredible resources. And we'll see you next time on Ordashi, the Bulletproof Entrepreneur.